Father, that is so true, God. Tonight we've come as, a, as an assembly to just offer our lives up for these coming days now. We believe in preparation, Lord, for victory. And what lies ahead of us is a mission field with our young people that we're instructed by your prophet to lay up in store for our children. And for those around us, Lord, and those that you've invited, Lord, to come and be part of this great feast, this love feast. Lord, would you come tonight and strengthen us on this Sunday night? It's unusual there'd be a Sunday night service like this, and, but we've dedicated it for the assembly, for the young people and the workers looking forward to Easter camp. Pray that you would speak things to prepare our hearts, and Lord, we believe we are part of a great field, Lord. You're bringing forth fruit. Climax our lives by the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, may you give us strength tonight and throughout the day as some have tarried and stayed over. I pray that you prosper them and give them inspiration, Lord. And may they go home tonight saying it was good, it was worth it to be in the house of God. Strengthen the assembly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the scripture in Luke chapter 10. Going to go right to the word, Luke chapter 10, and then we'll just read a quote after you have your seats just for a moment. But Luke chapter 10, verse 29, this is kind of a pre-camp service. Is that okay? And this is a preparation for us, young people, older ones. And so it's good for us to prepare. You actually get more out of something when you prepare. So it's not just the, you know, Tuesday night before, Wednesday night before, throwing your sleeping bag in, your toothbrush and your Bible, saying, we're going to camp. No, it's setting yourself aside and preparing. You'll find out that your fruit is greater, the victories are greater, and you get more from it. So let's approach it uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 29, speaking about a man that came to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. So he didn't just look at him and too busy. He didn't just look on the situation. But his heart was moved into action. And he bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed and took out two pence and gave them to the host, he said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. In other words, you've seen oil and wine in a situation. Now it's time for you to go and do likewise. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight and we speak. I'll just give a little foundation for tonight uh, service for a little bit. We um, moved to Cloverdale when I was 16 years old with my mother and my two sisters. And my father stayed in Jeffersonville uh, working, uh, doing the editing of the uh, messages of Brother Branham. Because there was a burden for the children and the young people to be in a good church. And as the years went by and we married and, and had our first son and we moved uh, back to uh, Indiana to help. Uh, my father had begun a little church there. Then we uh, pastored in Tennessee for three years just as a young man. And then went on to Arizona to help. Uh, in a church there for three years. And then in 2000, we moved back to Cloverdale, all really for a reason for our family to be raised in a church that we had confidence in and that the Lord could minister to my children and my young people and to my wife and I. It wasn't a ministry decision. It was a decision for my family. And I'll say after all these years, 19 years looking back and all three of my children being part of your uh, Easter camp and the uh, labors that goes into that camp and the young people and the ministry. I can say tonight uh, our family's a product of those kind of meetings. And I think you'd say the same, that you saw oil and wine poured into the situation in your lives. And that's why we are the way we are tonight is because somebody poured in wine and they poured in oil. When Satan wanted to rip us up and tear us apart, and tonight we stand with all of our children serving God, our, uh, their spouses serving the Lord. We, we're now grandparents again, if you can believe it. And being back in Cloverdale, we've helped uh, our assembly uh, with the young people and with the many camps. We have a summer camp that we um, have each year. Then we have a winter camp that is just for our young people alone. And that's usually in February, March, and it's a winter camp because we um, uh, have uh, so many of our own young people. We just dedicate that. And Brother Timothy Pruitt has spoken at that before and other ministers of the gospel. And we appreciate those times. We've just gone through a, a winter camp at our church. And over the years, it's, it's uh, been a privilege of ours to work with the young people of the message and minister at other camps around the world and been part of families and situations as young people go through times like that. So coming here this uh, weekend, it was a, um, an opportunity possibly to speak from our hearts before your camp services and to just show the success of the Word of God and the wine and the oil that's poured into a situation and how young people, when they have wine, which you know from the third seal, the Bible says, hurt not the oil and the wine. And the oil is the Holy Ghost, a type of the Holy Ghost. And wine is stimulation that comes from the Word. 
And so at a sensitive time of a person's life, it's very important to have the right word and the right atmosphere to be poured in or it can be devastating for their future. And tonight I want to speak a message and, and just preparation with you for your Easter youth camp that has not become just a local meeting, but it's become globally, as I said this morning, where young people and families and even pastors have the confidence to send their young people under your care because they've seen the atmosphere of oil and the Holy Ghost and uh, the wine flows freely. It's not cold and it's not the programs and it's not for the games and it's not for boy-girl things. But it's for a, an atmosphere for there to be new births. It's an atmosphere for your young people and then you invite other young people to come to be in your cabins and you have the gator patrol and you have the internet and the streaming. You have the ministers. It's, you have the brothers of, and sisters of your church throwing in your efforts together. And I want to say God bless you for that. Thank you for the 30 plus years that you've given up your Easter weekend because you've invested into the souls of young people in the message. And I'll say now for you on this side, but on the other side, there will be thousands of lives that will come to you and say, thank you for giving of yourself. Like we read in the Bible about this man that had been stripped and wounded and fell in among thieves. There's young people that have come to these services that have been influenced by your sacrifices and if you look, um, Sister Amy, can you bring up our slides and go to the second slides? I'll just go to the second one. And look in verse 33 where this Samaritan had compassion. So he saw the need, but he was willing to do something about it. Then in verse 34, he did what the Levite and what the priest did not do. They saw the need. They saw the situation. But this man actually did something about it. And you have done something about it. This man went to this person, bound up their wounds, poured in oil, poured in wine, set him up on his own beast, which in the Bible a beast is an anointing, and brought him to an inn. And Brother Branham so many times said the inn is a type of the church. He brought him into a place that he could be healed and took care of him. I thank God for Evening Light Tabernacle that has been a place like a harbor for people that have come to over the years and it seems like this Easter youth camp is really an opportunity for you to really uh, put yourself into action for the sake of many, many that have experienced God because you've provided oil and you've provided wine. Now, Brother Branham talked about something. I'd like to read this quote with you out of what is that in your hand. He said, Moses had been a total failure. And there may be men here this afternoon, maybe ministers, that's been total failures. Maybe you've been as a housewife. Maybe you've been as a student. 
at school, and maybe you've been as a child to your parents. Whatever you have been, let that be has been and start from today. Amen. Whatever you have been, let that be has been and start from today. Amen. No matter what it is. Maybe you've been a failure as a Christian. Maybe you failed to go on with God. If it's been, take note to what I'm going to say just in a few moments about this. Moses failed down in Egypt when he was born to be a deliverer to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Why? Because he did it in himself. He took it upon himself to do it. And any time you take things upon yourself and leave God out, then you're going to be a failure like Moses was. But can I say tonight, when you surrender your life to Christ and God flows through your life, it's going to be a success. Even if your past has been a failure, it's time for all of us to let our past be the has-been. And we literally need to turn from that and look in another direction and start moving forward. Now let's stop the approach like maybe some have on the Monday and Tuesday of camp and say, oh, wow, we got to go to camp. We got to get ready. It's time that we prepare ourselves, that we look on the situation and then begin to move out as this man did in the scripture. Now, Brother Brenham said, I'm going back to our opening scripture. He said, Jesus found a man one time and a parable was on his road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It showed he was backsliding. He was going from up high, going down low. He was backsliding. And he met him on the road and an enemy had beaten him, robbed him, and left him half dead. That was physically alive but spiritually dead. So the priest and the Levites and so forth passed by him But the good Samaritan, as Jesus taught it, came, picked him up, poured oil in and wine, and took him to the inn. Now, would you agree tonight, he had to have wine and oil himself to give it out. Would you agree with that? I felt this afternoon to say something here tonight for whoever it's for. I've noticed people over the years that that it's like they always live on the edge spiritually. They're always struggling with being justified and sanctified and do I have the Holy Ghost? They're always struggling to do the minimum and it's time for for that to be the past. It's time now when God really firmly plants you with a real experience for you to say, what can I do for God? What does God want to do through my life? And stop allowing your experience to say, oh God, and woe is me, and I'm always living kind of, you know, on the edge, and I always need every camp and every week, like, to feel like I need to repent and come back. There has to be a time spiritually that we really nail it down and say, God, I don't want that no more. I want an experience where you can use me. You can flow through as Brother Timothy led us in that song. Take my hands, Lord. Take my youth, Lord. Take our family, Lord. In this case, take our church, God. But it takes men and women of vision. 
that are willing to stop thinking that you're just on the backside and realize you're on the front lines. God's called you for a purpose. God saved you for a purpose. He wants to fill you and use you. How many's ever felt this little in your life? Just like you are just so small. And how, what can God do with me? Well, our little in the hands of God can feed the multitude. Like the little boy in his lunch. If he would have just kept his little loaves and fishes and whatever that was in his day and went to school, he probably would have ate it up and he just would have went on in school. But that little boy in the hands of Jesus, his little fed the thousands. And I wonder how many of us hold in our little complexes and our little lives when really, if it was given to God fully, how many hundreds and thousands it would bless. I want to say tonight, we have been impacted by the wine and oil. Now, what are we going to do about it? We're not called to just sit on the pew. We're not called just to go up and down all the time. And our spiritual lives isn't always on the mountain. The fruit is growing in the valley. So we're in the mountaintop. I believe it's been said before. You're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or getting ready to go in a trial. But we need to stop wearing that on our faces and on our shoulders so much. Being a Christian is the greatest life there is. I think it was David said, I'd rather, I'd rather live a day in thy courts than a thousand with the wicked. A thousand, that's almost three years. I'd rather live one day in the presence of God. Hello, everyone. 365 is about three years. I'd rather be in God's presence for one day than to be with the wicked for three years. And in one place, I'm just paraphrasing, but Brother Brenham said, you know, Israel had their hinder parts. Every church has their hinder parts. Every family has their hinder parts. Every ministry has their hinder parts. Every sister, every brother has their hinder parts. But God didn't raise you up to just use your hinder parts. He has a gift in your life. And the oil and the wine was for you to be used of God to move the body forward. So can Evening Light Tabernacle take this service tonight and approach this year differently than other years and say, God, you gave us wine and you gave us oil. But we show our love to God by what we do for others. I want you to use our lives this year, greater than ever for, to be sensitive and give wine and give oil to someone else. Now, Brother Branham talked about how this man poured in wine and oil. And he said, there's the place I want to get you to. He taking him to the inn and said to the caretaker, take care of him. He gave him a couple of pennies or whatever it was to pay his way. And he said, now, if he needs any more, just go ahead and take care of him. I'll make it right when I come. Now, you shepherds, Brother Branham said, speaking to the ministry, God give you the spirit and the word to take care of these wounded ones that's been brought in. If you need any more, 
He'll take care of that when he comes. So just feed those sheep. How many want to be good caretakers? God's given you wine and given you oil. It's not just for us to, you know, just have an excitement ourselves and the Monday after camp say, my, wasn't those great meetings or man, I'm so tired or oh my, we got to go back. No, God brings us to these uh, mountaintops and to these sacred sands. He's even preaching this message tonight and maybe even a special speaker to let you know that we can come into these times and go through them and come on the other side, God can use you greater than ever before. You know, I feel like I'm speaking like to the championship team in a locker room. You say, we've won so many times, Brother John. We've went to camps and we've had meetings and we've had services and we've had this. We're just going to go in. But, you know, any winning coach isn't just always satisfied with how it's been. It's like in our blood. It's like in our services. It's like in our singing. It's like in our preaching. It's like I believe there's more titles for us. There's more souls to be saved. If we're not careful, we get in a rut and say, oh, wow, we don't need to do that, Brother John. We bring the wires. We bring our sleeping bag. We're going to another camp. It's going to be this way Thursday night. It's going to be this way Friday, Saturday. Oh, Saturday night's going to be this, and we're going to have baptism Sunday morning. We're all going to be tired, and I hope nobody's throwing oranges and drinking coffee on Sunday morning like there was a few years ago and all the the things that have gone on, and you remember. Is that true? And it's like as as time goes on, we start weighing things. Oh, that was a 10. That was a 5. Oh, that's an 8. Oh, that was a dud. (laughs) Or I'm tired. Or, you know, that certain preacher, you know, I don't really get much out of their ministry. Oh, no, here we go again. It's that person singing. And and we need to move out of that mindset. We need to move out of that way of thinking. And we need to say, God, I've been impacted by the wine and oil. I'm going to come into this saying, God, I'm going to be more sensitive this year. Do you want to use us? So rather than going in backslidden and away from God, why don't we go into it with our hearts ready to go? Preparing our hearts. I wrote something in my notes to say after this morning's service. Sometimes God may choose to make your testimony public and to make it a great testimony and make it, it's where you're almost embarrassed to say, well, a lot of people know. He makes your testimony public. But he may allow your private life to experience a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of turmoil. I said that to help some of you to let you know God may use your sickness or your family trouble or a certain thing you're going through and and make it a great testimony. And why do they call my name? Or why does it seem like this is happening to me? My need is so public. Do you remember Brother Branham sometimes he would talk to people and talk to them about personal things in their lives. Why do you have to say it so publicly? It's like the whole world knows I've got this issue or, you know, you've got a problem with smoking or you've got breast cancer or you're nervous. Is that right? And and I see this thing. It's like, stop it. Stop being so public. 
public about my private life. But little do we know, God has brought your life to the public. But many times we don't know in our private lives there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. People do not know what people that have great testimonies endure in their private life. Some of you might think this is a very skim milk service. It's actually much deeper than you think. There's great testimonies and miracles and things that God has done, but the Monday and the Tuesday and what God brings that man or that woman through, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. I have prayed with ministers' wives and older sisters in their 50s and 60s wondering if they've got the Holy Ghost and wondering if they where they stand with God. And it's it's like, it's not a young people's issue. It's across the board. God could use a person mightily like Jonah. And then he could use like Elijah mightily. And then them go into such a depression. Brother Branham could be used to the thousands and minister to the thousands and then... And then go through a thing in his own private life and personal life. Make it so public and humiliate the man. And I'm sure some of you have gone through that. But I thank God for the wine and the oil. Let's go to Revelations chapter 6 now, verse 5 and 6. How many has been impacted by the wine and oil? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've all been thrown to the side or hurt over the years. There's always, no matter, our lives are so like a fishbowl out there that it's like people say things, they do things, and they email things and text things. They might make a website about you, but it's time that we have enough character and enough something about ourselves where we just keep serving God anyway. Hallelujah. Whether we be young people or moms and dads, it's so easy to get weary and well-doing and and bear your cross so much to where someone else might say, I I don't even know how they're standing. But, you know, it's God that keeps us standing. It's because God gives us oil. In the book of Revelations, chapter 6, verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts, lion, ox, man, and eagle. And Brother Branham talked about this voice in the midst of the four beasts. Say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And Brother Branham stops and says, see, they were charging for the word. They were charging for the word, for the meal, for the food that the people should have been getting. They were charging for it. Do you know there's going to be young people come to this camp that come from different churches that don't have what you have? And they might be a camper or even a counselor or someone that comes to the services Their normal church life isn't balanced. They're not balanced. You feel uncomfortable around them. You you feel uneasy. You'd say, they got issues. 
They got issues. <laughs> but do you know what? We all had issues. We all were hurt. And it's going to take an extra measure of grace to be staying focused and say, God, you provided for us through the year. I come from a good church. I have good ministry. Then that should be able to put something in you to give to others. So we need to stop our laughing and joking or saying, man, they got issues. Man, they're full of themselves. And instead of just turning it around and saying, God, help me this year to have the right attitude. If you go into it with wine and oil, you have something to give. You're able to bear along with someone. You're able to understand. I hope this is helping somebody. In verse 6, we find a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, colon, or semicolon, whatever that is. And see thou hurt not the oil and wine. That's a commandment. You can take everything, take their health, their wealth, but you can't take the oil, Holy Ghost, and you can't take the wine. No matter how far a person gets down and low, when they start hearing the word, they're going to respond. Some jump, some scream, some just sit there and cry. I'm preparing you for camp. Some don't know what to do. They look at one another and say, how should I be responding to this? Some are jumping up and down. Some are running to the altar. Some are screaming. And some are, you know, looking what's going on. No, it's time that we begin to understand it's a hospital. People need help. Church is a hospital. And what really turns you on, another person that might not be ministering to their need. Wine and oil is for the need. As the Bible says, if you have no need of a physician then when a physician, you might not need that physician. But you get in a 911 crisis, you need a doctor. You need someone to be saying that. Say, why over the last years has there been ministers talk about pornography? When 20 years ago, you would have had to look that up on Google. What does it even mean? Is that true? Why is he talking about the internet? Why is there certain ministers that talk about, you know, chatting and Instagram and Facebook and they just bring it right down to WhatsApp and right down to music and all of that? And it seems like other ministers just preach on the revelations and just keep us in the seals, brother, and just keep us on the rainbows. You know, we like to go into those meetings like they're pumping them full of, uh, and then they leave. It's just they're high. But what I found out over the years, if you don't have a ministry that works with the people where they're at and ministers to the young people, you find the young people go through these experiences and they become campground stars, Brother Branham said. Campground stars. That is, when the campground's on, they're on, brother. They're amen, amen, they're hallelujah. And then through the year, they go right back to being duds. No response, won't do anything for God. Two months go by, they're right back into their hole. And you say, where was they at camp? They were so on fire. Brother Branham called them campground stars. I call them revival surfers. 
They're just looking for the next wave. They're looking for the next revival and high. Man, they're on, they're on. But when you go in the valley, it's like, oh. Friends, it's time that we mature to the place as believers that there are seasons in our lives. Hallelujah. We've been impacted by the wine and oil. It's like God was saying, you know what? I've always got to have the oil and I've always got to have wine there. Let me take you to this next slide. Sister Amy's going to help us here as we speak about the oil and the wine. How many would agree that wine has come to you? Please pass the wine. And I'm not talking about wine and alcohol. I'm talking about stimulation that comes from real revelation. We just came from our winter camp. These are three photos of our campground. Brother Tim Pruitt, the Lord willing, will be there in a few uh, weeks. Brother Timothy's been there for winter camp. This is what it looks like in the winter time. Wine came to us. Oil has come to us. Right at the very time that we needed it, God provided it. But I want to say this. This is really the heart of tonight's message. If we've received wine and oil, then we become responsible to create an atmosphere for others. We can't just be going through this ups and downs and campground stars and revival surfers where when God is saying, no, you're responsible to have it for somebody else. Remember, the Levite didn't have time. The the priest didn't have time. It was a Samaritan that with compassion, you know, sometimes we're just too busy. Hello, somebody. We're... One thing about camp is we all slow down. It's like we're there for a cause, for a purpose. God brings our focus down. We are here for souls. It's not the food. It's the spiritual part. It's not just holding a twig in between us and relationships. I've heard people say, that, oh, they just come to camp for, to get a boyfriend or get a wife. Or, I think that's nonsense. That might be a fringe benefit, and if it happens, praise the Lord. I'd rather them be at camp than in some honky-tonk. Can you say amen? You say, uh, you know, our principal of our church school saw his wife, Sister Shelley, at your camp. So you were partially guilty of a good marriage and a brother and his wife that's given 10 years for our assembly and for our church school. I'm looking at people that gave up your Easter Sundays for that. I know of preachers in the message that receive the Holy Ghost at these meetings. Would you say it's worth it? Is it worth it? But how many times have you done it? And then you just wonder, you know, I I asked Brother uh, William... Last night, Dexter, about this. Brother William, you might remember this. How many times does the average human heart beat in a lifetime? Do you remember that, Brother William? Yes. And do you know what William said to me? He said, well, it beats more when I play soccer. (laughs) Yeah, that's nothing but the truth, brother. 
Brother John's heart beats more when I'm on the treadmill and I'm running, running. It goes up to 140 plus. But do you know the average human heart in a lifetime, how many times it beats? I'm staying on my message. The average person's heart beats 60 to 100 beats a minute. Over 100,000 times a year. Over 35 million times a year, thank you, over 100,000 times a day, over 35 million times a year, in 70 years, 2.45 billion. Look at that. If you live longer, up to 80 years, 2.8 billion times that your heart beats. Now, it's a sign of a heart condition. I'm not giving you a science lesson. I'm just letting you know God is concerned with your heart beating. (laughs) But it's a sign of a heart condition if the heart misses beats or beats too fast. That's why it's important that we stay in beat with God's Word. Now I'm coming back to our preparation for Easter camp. Just because it's done it before does not take away from the importance that it must keep beating. It's got to keep beating. Say, but I beat before. You say, I've done this before. I've done this 100,000 times a a day. I've done this 35 million times. How many times do we need to have camp? Why do we need Sunday school? Why do we need Wednesday? Why do we need Sunday? Why, 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 why? Here's the answer. Just because it happened before don't mean it needs to happen again. I, I thought there'd be a better response than that. That's why we have youth camp and I trust it goes on to the rapture because every day every year there's another generation rising up rising up and they deserve to meet the same God you did hallelujah you say I've done that before brother Baxter I mean how many times does the gator have to take our four wheelers how many times do we need to have this big meeting and why 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 we can get to a place that the older ones can say come on we, we've been 30 plus years without even an Easter service at our church why 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 and if we're not careful we can make it a negative and saying praise the Lord we have seven, eight hundred people join us for Easter. And now the world knows about it. Now it's become a, a standard around the world. Where they say Louisiana camp is a place where young people can meet with God. It's not seminar style teaching. It's not just talking about relationships. We're not just dealing with money issues and things. We're dealing with heart issues. And I pray it keeps beating until the time of the rapture. I'll say this because my older son went to the camp. My middle son went to the camp. My daughter went to this camp. In fact, excuse me, Brother Tim, but the very year we couldn't afford for her to go, your pastor paid the way. And on Wednesday night after church, Brother James, I was on the internet getting her ticket, and her and my wife flew to Louisiana, and that year, the Lord dealt with her life. Amen. 
Now she's married and going on with God. My older son is married, has a son. My middle son, Michael, that when Brother Jeremy Schreiner, how do you say, sang that song last Sunday of when God ran. And remember that year of the skid and, and they had the, the presentation of the prodigal son. And you remember how they, they ran and when God ran. You know, God runs to those hearts that will cry out to him. People cry out for alcohol. They cry out for drugs. I pray there'll be more of a crying out for God. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. I'm willing to humble myself. And don't you worry. There's always scoffers and mockers. There's always churches that send their young people. And I remember one year, uh, excuse me, I'm getting personal, but I remember getting videos of one church that sent their young people to the camp. And on the way home, they stopped at a rest area. And the Holy Ghost had so moved on their young people. They're going around and around the van right at a rest area. It's nighttime. I remember the videos. And they went back to their home church and the pastor threw a bunch of cold water on that. It's never been the same at that church. Because they don't like the emotion. They don't feel that it was real. They don't want their young people to be a part of that atmosphere. I say they need more of that atmosphere. Instead of pouring water on it, I would have been pouring gasoline on it. I would have been saying, what can we do? Too often times they're just trying to justify their backslidden state. And their churches are cold and indifferent. And they have young people come back home on fire for God. And they're just quick to say, oh, that's just emotion. They stand up and give a testimony. And a few months later, they're back into a situation worse than ever before. I think there ought to be a change to that. I, I think we need to feed that and encourage that and say, what can we do for our families? You have strong young people, you have strong families. You have strong families, you have strong church. But this year, I'm challenging you. We've received oil, we've received wine, but now God is holding us accountable to have that for someone else. He put him up on his own beast and carried him to the end. That means he had something to give out. Let me give you another illustration. How many times does a farmer work his field? They plant the field, they weed the field, they water the field, they cultivate the field, they fertilize it, they harvest it, then the rains come, then they have a, a bunch of locusts come through, then it rains too much, it just their crop failure, they all, you know what they do the next year? They plant again, they weed again, they water again, they cultivate just because you have a bad winter, you have, you know, it's not going good. What is it? It's the nature of the farmer. And I want to say tonight, God will keep working his field, and I'm happy to be a laborer with him. Oh, you say, this young person did that, that young lady. Did you hear about what's going on with that young lady? Did you know what that young man... It doesn't matter. We just keep planting. We just keep weeding. Is this okay tonight? I went back to the heart. You know, how many times does it beat? It just keeps beating. 
And you go through a trial and it gets, or William runs in the soccer, it goes fast, goes fast. And then you just, oh, it's time for a rest. Well, your heart needs to beat. A farmer, he plants and waters. Then you have a big bunker crop and you just lay it in store. Praise the Lord. All glory be to God. But in the time of peace, we need to prepare for war. Say, why are you talking like this, Brother John? Because God's raising up a generation that has some character. That's why the older generation many times gets nervous and concerned. Because many of them went through the Great Depression. Or they went through times of hardship. And the new generation has everything handed to them. Given to them. Many of them don't want to work and they want this and they expect their iPhone or their Android. They expect clothes and shoes and they expect this. Everything's given to them, you know, given to them. How much is the camp fee? How much? Oh, we'll just pay it for you. We want you to be at camp. Oh, you can't afford it? Oh, maybe the pastor will pay it or this and that. And it gets to a place where we just, everything's just, oh, I'll take it easy. Well, maybe it's good this year for them to pay their own way. Or if they paid the $120, it would mean more to them. Or maybe dad and mom ain't so abusive to me anyway. I've heard that phrase. My, my parents are abusive. Our ministers are so hard on us. My, and I've heard that by good, good families, a mother and father trying to help their family along and, and their young people get older and they throw it right back in their face. They're abusive to us. When really they ought to be happy that God put the walls up and put the protection around them. Do y'all know where I'm coming from? And you have good ministry that's concerned about our living. Hallelujah. We're preparing our hearts tonight for the season. Can we all take a deep breath? It came up on my phone this afternoon, thunderstorms in the area. Thunderstorms, severe thunderstorms. I thought, man, that's incredible. There's going to be those times. It just seems like it rains, it pours, and there's other times the sun comes out. But it's not all the time. It's not always going to be like this. Say, Brother John, it's just what you said. Why does my life have to be so public? And why do I have to feel like it's just raw and out there? Well, there will be another spring. With a little bit of oil and a little bit of wine, you're going to heal. You're going to get stronger. You're going to wake up and realize life is worth living. Hallelujah. Serving Christ isn't always easy. It's not always the easier road. Many times it's the harder road. Is that true? Let me go to the next slide. I was so challenged by this. Do you all see that turtle? I'm taking you back to your youth banquet that Brother John was streaming. Brother Danny spoke about this. He's talking about the turtles and how I'm bringing this back to your a memory to trigger something in your heart. He gave an illustration and spoke about it in words. I'm going to give it to you visually. In this illustration, we see There's the lights of the city that these little turtles are being born in on the sand. And because the lights of the city are so strong, the turtles are being born and turning toward the lights of the city. And they're finding them the next morning all along the streets 
and the sidewalks did because the lights of the city were so strong. I hope you're thinking spiritual. That many of them died instead of going toward the ocean. When the light of the moon should have been so strong. How many knows the moon is a reflection of the church? That should be reflecting the sun. So when haziness comes in the church and clouds come in the family and things begin to cover over the strength of the church, the young people start to turn toward the world. The lights of the city, the lights of the world begins to pull so strongly, Brother Joe, that it pulls them into death. And watch this as we look on the screen. They find them the next day on the streets of the city. They're turning their eyes toward the lights of the city. And here's a photo. I won't keep it there long. This is what happens to someone that lost their way. Say, what happened to that young person? How could they lose their way? It's because the lights of the world was calling to them and they got out on a road and Satan destroyed them. Don't let this be your testimony. It's time that the bride of Christ realized that you are the light of the world. And if the light loses its, 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 its pull, then our young people being born in the message will turn toward the lights of the world and it has a pull on them. And we find them on the streets of Laodicea. They're squashed. I say, God, send a Holy Ghost revival. Keep our family strong. Keep our church strong. Bring in ministries and bring in, uh, you know, ministries are like doctors. And if you have a special need, it's not just many times a general doctor you need. You need someone that's trained. Whether it's a heart specialist or a knee specialist or your hip is out. You don't just need a foot doctor. You need a hip doctor. They've done that before. They've been there before. Sometimes it's just not all general. Oh, just read your Bible and pray. Oh, come on. Pull your pants up. You understand the phrase. Oh, just get into the Word. Sometimes it takes someone that can just say the right word, that can be in the right season. Pour in oil. Pour in wine. That person can be healed and strengthened and be a contribution to the body. That's what we need this year. And the lights of the city, now they're actually intimate because the resorts and the condos are coming so close to the ocean, they're actually putting certain lighting. You can see it here on the screen, a before photo and then an after photo, how they're even enforcing the laws to change the effect of the lighting so the turtles, when they're born, can go toward their habitat, go toward the ocean. Because there's a desire to see them live. See them thrive. I wish we had another service. But the older generation wants to trust you. They want to give you the baton. They want to say, go for it, brother. Go for it, sister. They want to have confidence in you. But they're, they're looking for the Christ, for the character. I think it's time to rise to the occasion. Like Joshua and Caleb, they were willing to go forward into the new land. 
Hallelujah. I trust this is good tonight to prepare your heart. And this is the strength of the moon. And some of you might be standing on the shore, maybe just at that valley of decision. I hope this year God can really do a turn in your heart to realize what God's done for me. I want to see it for someone else. If God can give us solid, strong families, those families ought to be dedicating themselves to the body and saying, what can we do for somebody else? Now, excuse me, but I'm going to be real honest right here. How many believe in the token? That all you and your household shall be saved. Our children will be saved. This promise is unto you and your children. Rahab, bring them in and they're going to be saved. We preach that. We apply that. Brother Brown said, I I believe it for myself. I believe it for my family. And I believe it for all of you. But never have we been in a generation like this where we have young people and families being raised in the message. And in good families and in good churches, we have people making their choices of not to serve God and to go into the world. Oh, you say you have so many adults now that are almost becoming stunned. Where did we go wrong or what should we have done? And in fact, it ought to be just the opposite. It ought to be, Lord, you gave them to us. We apply the token. We commit them to you. That's up to God to take care of that. But many times God gives us strong families in the church. But there's weak families in the church. There's families that are broken. And when Jesus said, the, can you bear with me for just a moment? The poor you have with you always. It's not just poor financially. There are people that are poor in spirit. Poor in revelation. Poor in, in just mental capacities. Their health is poor. And we will bear them right till the time of the change. There will be men and women in the church that bear ye one another's burdens. And instead of looking down on people and looking at one another's weakness, we need to learn to block for one another. And if somebody fumbles the ball, we need to pick it up. I'm preaching a pre-camp service. There are those that no matter what you do, pour it in, have a great service, they just continue to just go bad and worse and seem like they're going in the negative direction. But you've got to let your faith stay with Christ. Stay with the Word. I hope that helps somebody. I believe God's preparing our hearts now for this season. I believe there's some victories that's going to be ahead. And it might not happen the way you're expecting. In fact, it might be just the opposite the way you think. I've seen ministers in a service look so bored and look like they're getting nothing nothing after it and there's someone else in the same service that is connecting and that's exactly what that person needed. I've seen older ones just see, you know, they go to sleep, they lose interest, they say, where are they coming from? And another person in that service say, that was thus saith the Lord. It's it's like you were saying things that me and my wife was talking about last night. Or me and my children, we just dealt with that yesterday. 
I've personally dealt with it in the ministry and gotten a lot of grief and, and coming back from elders only to get another response from another person and say, that was exactly what I needed. Do you know what that ought to do? Stop being so a person that's so rose over and complex. And you just take the blows and grow in Christ and keep pressing on. It's time to come out of your caves. I'll just be honest with you. There's times that people just take a sabbatical. It's like they're off for months, for years. You say, they used to be right into it. They, what can I do? Now they just come to check. They've lost their fire. They've lost their desire. They used to be on the edge of their seat. They used to be so, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. They come early. Now they're just so casual. You can't hardly get them to move. They hardly give. They miss a service. It don't matter. What happened? We talk about people losing their mind in the world or going insane. It can happen to a good person. The pressures of life. Life goes on. It has no mercy on any person. White person, black person, Chinese person, pink person. Good people, bad people. We all have pressure. And as we get older, our, our health is failing. We can get moody. Brother Branham talked about, uh, may, may I pray God never crown my life to be a crabbed old man. I don't want to be crabbed. I don't want to be a person that it's never good enough. It's never, the music is never good enough. The preaching's never good enough. There's always some weakness, some problem. God help us in that area. I'll say like David, I'd rather spend a day in the house of the Lord with people that love God and are going forward. You know, but you can get in the world and, and it's just not cool. Those young people are simple. They're brainwashed. You're so funny. And if we're not careful, we can have people right in the church that live two lives. When they're around the church people, they're holy, they're good, they know how to be. And then on the job, in the school, at the university, that's like another person. I pray God bring a change to that. Pour in the oil, pour in the wine. Give us divine pulsations. Give us supernatural visitations. Now I'm praying for Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday night. Sunday morning, God, give us dealings of the Holy Ghost that is God sent. God might not be talking to you the same, but there might be another person. God is walking right in their front door, discerning everything about their lives, and we need to bear their burdens by staying interested, staying in prayer. I'm admonishing you tonight. I'm encouraging you. This is now 30, 40 years of Brother John being raised in the message and going through camps and preaching pre-camp services and then the service after camp and being able to understand how the Lord's dealing in our assembly. Now I'm bringing it to your church. It's important that we learn to recognize 
the signs of God's dealings and seize those moments. I think it's important to recognize these are precious times. These are precious times. You just talk to somebody that's in jail tonight and they'll tell you they wish they were free. They wouldn't care about what kind of car they had to drive, what kind of clothes they... Just get me out of these jail clothes. I'm so embarrassed why I'm in here. And they're in there for a year, two years, five years. It's like, how could I be so stupid? How could I be so dumb? Drugs and alcohol and people steal stuff. Satan gets them on a treadmill of life. We need to learn to seize these moments. And hold fast to Christ. I've talked to young ladies. I've prayed with them. I've talked to young men. I was with a young man just a few days ago and even weeks ago. And then we baptized him down in our Seattle church. He had such a life that he couldn't cross the border. And DUIs and all kinds of trouble and things. And we baptized him. And he gave his heart to the Lord. He said, pray for me. I've got this appointment Tuesday. We prayed with him and God gave him grace before the judge. I, get, I had a text just a week ago, and he said, pray for me. Now it's, I've come time through, and I have to stand before the judge. I might have to go to jail. I'm, a, I'm expecting to go to jail because the, uh, the, the judge is a certain way, and this is what's happening in the community. And he was going, He's been married since we baptized him. To someone that was in our church and a family, here's just, he's out in the world. And months ago, we went to a home and spoke to him about baptism, and we just kind of nurtured him as a young man, just worldly person. But he gave his heart to the Lord. We baptized him, and we've got to be willing to take baby steps with people. And he texted me, said, pray for me. I'm just expecting they could throw the book at me. They could. And we prayed with him. The Lord stood for him, and the judge gave him mercy, gave, didn't even give him uh, no time. Gave him probation. You know what that does for a new Christian? It breathes hope into them. It breathes faith into them. Oh, you say, Brother John, you're way out there. We don't even deal with those things. Well, God gave us a lot of wounded people. People that were thrown aside. People that were, didn't have it all together. Hallelujah. To restore them and speak to them in a way that... I believe we are about ripe for a real revival of God. I believe some of your families that the time is right for a real time that the word is calling to us to move on up just a little bit higher. It's time for the turtles to start turning in the right direction. That little illustration spoken to your young people at your, right back in this fellowship hall. Brother John has taken that to at least six other churches and gatherings of people to show them that God is concerned about their birth, about the direction in their life. God doesn't want you out on the streets of some city just becoming pavement for the devil. And I pray we would not just take these things as little stories, little, but take them to heart. Take this to heart tonight to prepare yourself. 
And in closing tonight, I want to say this. I was listening to a message that was mentioned during our camp for our young people. One of the brothers mentioned it, and so after I just started listening to it, listening to it. What is that in thy hand? Brother Branham said at the beginning of the service, he was thinking of the crippled people and the people in wheelchairs. Now they're in stretchers and cots, and he said, oh, I, I see there's uh, crutches laying under that man's chair. Just ask God that he'll let them walk out of here today without their support. I thought, isn't that wonderful? Cots and stretchers and, 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 and crutches. It was the prayer of the ministry, now this is oil and wine, that they would walk out of there without that support. I think that ought to be our attitude approaching things. Not what I can get out of it, but what can the people get out of this? Do you know what happened at the end of that service? Brother Branham started to talk about Shamgar and how God anointed him and, he, and the enemy was coming to take away his crop and he saw his wife and saw his children and the Philistines were taking the crop every year, every summer. They'd lay it up and then the enemy would come and his righteous indignation got all got up, he said. He said, and that's what ought to happen to you here on these cots and stretchers. And we come into Easter youth camp. There's young people come in burdened and troubled. Can you help me as I close the service? They're not in physical uh, wheelchairs. They're not in spirit, you know, uh, stretchers and filling up the whole altar with cots. And there's not a lot of people with crutches. But spiritually, Satan comes in through the year and he's nothing but a robber and a thief. And he destroys and takes their joy and takes their passion and takes, tries to steal their experience. I think it's time that the ministry begin to give freedom to be able to say, I trust they walk out of here without that kind of support. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Say, I'm going to go in with these things and I'm going to leave with them. Nope. God says, nope, you leave them right here. Brother Branham said, Shamgar got his right just indignation up. And he said, that's what ought to happen to these on the cots and stretchers. Just get a little mad at the devil. Forget about your nice hair and what people's going to think about your clothes. And well, if I go up there, they're going to think I'm backslid. Well, friends, the altar is more than just for backslidden people. It's for young people that want to get right with God and for those that say, God, I want to consecrate myself. You know, would to God that all the pews were gone, all the chairs were gone, and the whole sanctuary was just a place of the altar. We get so comfortable sitting down. I know of people that stream the camps that would love to be there. And you see people, they're, they're just so, uh, and there's young people that are, are watching those meetings. They're weeping. They're crying. They say, how can that be, Brother John? I've been, in, been with young ladies from Poland. And, and they say, Brother John, I'm the only young lady, young person in our church. And we were having a special meeting in, in Poland there, and they come from Czech Republic and all the countries surrounding there. And this young lady came all the way across Poland. She said, Brother John, I'm the only young person in our church. 
She's so hungry for the things of God, let alone five, six, seven hundred young people. Do you know that your voice has went around the world? There's young ladies and young men that are just there drinking it in, soaking it in. They die to be in your place tonight. They die to have a daddy like you got, a mother like you got, preachers like this. Brother Craig's away tonight in Baton Rouge. But look at this platform, men that love you, that give you oil, give you wine. Say they're bird and they talk about this, they talk about that. It's a good thing they talk about it. I stand here tonight as a trophy of God's amazing grace. Somebody had patience with me. Somebody put up with me. Somebody bore our burdens and was willing to listen. Hallelujah. They didn't shove me aside. They didn't say, you're no good. You're never going to make it. I'll sit down and shut up. No, they were encouraging. They were positive. They, they picked you up. They bound up the wounds. They didn't come walking in saying, you look horrible. That was a horrible, man. That was a horrible. You know, sometimes we all feel like our lives are horrible, and that's the very thing God is working out a miracle. He's working a character through your life. But you've got to be willing to turn toward the, the light of the word and say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I want to serve you. Tonight, we need to get mad at the devil. We need to say, if I've lost years, if I lost, it's time to come back from your sabbatical. It's time for you to end your sabbatical and say, this year, I'm going to make a difference for Christ. You remember the person out on the street, they had the sign say, I'm a fool for Christ, I'm a fool for Christ. And on the back it said, whose fool are you? I tell you what, the owner of Amazon that's worth billions and billions and billions, his billions didn't make his marriage happy. Hello. He's from Seattle, right from that area where Microsoft and Bill Gates and all the, they make their millions and billions. It doesn't make them happy. When they get a divorce, now it's just dividing up their billions. And you go with this TV anchor woman and you go here and there's children involved, there's crashes. Lord, keep us simple. Keep us humble, Lord. If you've got to keep us to where we're just small, but let us be willing, Lord, to give oil and wine to those that come and realize that God heals. God's in the business of healing. God heals by music. God heals by love. God heals by just a little bit of love stretched out over a hurt. I love Brother Timothy because one day in the middle of a revival, somebody stir going on here. Brother Timothy stepped out and started walking right. The brother's not even here today and walked right down this aisle and put his arms around a man that was right second or third row over. Brother John saw that, Brother Timothy. I don't even know the brother's name, bald-headed brother, kind of a beard. God saw that. Say, why don't you just deal with this? You're song leading her. You should be praying for this. No, the Lord must have laid that on Brother Timothy's heart. Yeah. 
God, make us more burden for somebody else. Do you remember that, Brother Timothy? Sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to get out of yourself. Brother Kenneth Middleton, you have been a blessing to me. Floods have tried to take you. Cancer's tried to take you. Family issues go on. And look at him back there. He's willing to come in in a wheelchair on a Sunday night service. And some of us walk around. We run around. We can eat food. We can have fun. Hallelujah. God, give us more burden, people. Give us people that are, you know, and that's what's going to happen at this camp, I believe. God is going to bring healing. God heals by music. God heals by medicine. God heals by prayer. This is November, sorry, April 1963. Sometimes a little grudge, an old place, it'll heal right over just a little love and a little care. Just a little care. I care for you, brother. Your hand up on their shoulder. A person expresses their heart. We're so busy. We got to get going. We got other things. No, sometimes we need to listen. Stop talking. Just listen. Be like the Samaritan. The Levite was too busy. The priest was too busy. And God's asking you this year, stop being so busy. Have some oil. Have some wine. Be ready. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. God's preparing us. Trying to see those that are interested in the symphony. Who's interested? He's looking out over the orchestra saying, who's interested? And you see the beat of the sheet music, and it goes along for a certain time. Then there's a burst here, and then the drums begin to play. Then God begins to call on this person over here because there's a drama in this great symphony. And God knows as the composer that it's time for a change. And he's looking out over the orchestra, the sympathy, saying, who's interested in the change? Who's willing to turn? Brother John, I'm so used to going in this certain way. I'm so used to playing my life in a certain way, me and my husband, me and my wife, it's we and us, and my, my, my brother John, we're, we're older up in years now, and we're just concerned about our health now and our grandchildren or something, but God is asking you to get a much broader vision. Say, my young person's gone to the world or they're getting cold on God. Why don't you begin to pray for other young people and other brothers and other children and start getting a burden? Be a counselor. Can I sweep the floor? Can I come and pray? Can I come a little early and pray for that young lady? She's struggling.
God forgive us if we've been guilty. We're looking at the hinder parts of one another. People fumbling around, people making mistakes. If we're not careful, we start making fun of them and start singing, people singing and trying to do their best and we're making fun, we're laughing. Maybe there needs to be a change of heart saying, God, you've brought me into this body. Forgive me if I've been guilty of that, Jesus. I wonder tonight if you can lend your shoulder to the wheel and say, Lord, this Easter, this camp that's coming up, I want to be more sensitive. God, given us oil and wine, but Maybe there's somebody else that needs the same. Are you willing to be unselfish this year? Are you willing to go through this without any personal gain or glory or recognition? And say, Brother John, if no one even knows... I'm going to make a contribution. I'm going to do something. I'm going to set myself aside in prayer. I'm going to give in a certain direction. Because remember, the gift is getting out of the way. Are you willing to get out of the way and say, Jesus, use us this year greater than ever before. Use our church greater than the 32 years we have. Our hearts have beaten. We've planted. We've watered. And sometimes we can stand and get weary. And sometimes we can go through and say, here we go again. And we can coil up the wires and we can put gas in the engine and we can prepare our notes and look down over the list. It can just start getting mechanical. We can just start going through the motions. Or we can say, God, put feeling back in again for us. Who would say, Lord, you've given me wine and oil. I'm making myself available for somebody else. Would you slip up your hand? Just say, Lord, use these hands. Use this heart that beats under this hand. Use these feet. Strengthen us, Lord, as we come into this, the ministry, the counselors, the workers. But as an assembly, we approach it preparing ourselves. We're about 10 days out, 11 days, Lord, we're preparing ourselves for the oil and the wine. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm just a visitor here. I'm not the pastor. And I'm not the associate pastor or the brothers that work week after week with the sheep in this assembly. But we're still part of the team. We're still part of the body of Christ. And we've seen the years of success and the fruits that have come from the labors now of what we're approaching in the next few days. 
Let us set ourselves aside. Don't let us be like robots and like people that have just done this before. But let us be a people that's invigorated. Let the blood flow. Let the heart beat again. Let the seeds be planted. Turn on the sprinklers, Lord. Let there be showers of blessing. Pour out your spirit upon the musicians, Lord, the singers and the specials. Let the ministers, Lord, it be laid upon their hearts even now and in the coming days strongly. I believe you can prepare a minister for weeks and years and months. I believe you can change the direction right by their standing at the pulpit. Because somebody's calling. There's a sheep that fell over in the crevice. There's somebody needy. Lord Jesus, I was that person. We've never been the same. From that night, we raised our hand. We gave our hearts to you and were baptized. We have never been the same. We've come to camps. We've been in meetings. Each one of these brothers that's on the platform have ministered to my soul and the souls of my children. And now my grandchildren, my little grandson, when they, he hears the voice and they see the preacher and they wonder, what is, Brother, what is Papa John listening to? And they see it's the church. It's singing. It's ministry. Lord, don't never let us get too old in our hearts for the fire of the Holy Spirit to be shared with somebody else. Put oil into us, God. Put wine into us, Lord Jesus. Let us be a people that's prepared now. I pray the Holy Spirit would empower this congregation for these next days, Lord, as they set themselves aside and prepare for the victories. May you water the seeds and may there be great crops. And in the weeks and months to come, may pastors and churches long time as the young people go back home hear men and women say, this trouble's gone. That spirit has been left. People saying my sadness has been turned into joy. For weeks and weeks, people be coming to their pastors testifying of spiritual healing that took place. In the name of Jesus, may it be the Holy Ghost sweeping through the midst of your people. We're preparing ourselves for it. Tonight's meeting was preparing ourselves for those kind of meetings. Lord Jesus, heal our sick, Lord. Touch those that are discouraged. Let the feeble need and let the hands that hung down be lifted up tonight. May we go from this Sunday meetings with our hearts full of joy. There's a work for us to do. That as we get older, we begin to see that one plants and one waters, that God is bringing the increase. Thank you for this Sunday. Thank you that we can share together. Bless the congregation, their pastor and the family and the ministry and, the, and those in the back and the new little children and the young people and the babies. Those that work in the sound and the video, the streaming, the musicians, Lord. I pray a blessing upon Evening Light Tabernacle. For they have been a blessing.
that they've been part of a blessing. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, Brother Timothy. Only 